energy. Welcome to the Activated Authors Podcast, a show where we distill the core principles of what it takes to become a happy, healthy, and productive author, no matter what stage of the journey you're at. I'm your host, Daniel Wilcox. I'm an international best-selling author, as well as an author coach, speaker, and creative entrepreneur. But most importantly, I'm a lifelong student of all things productivity, psychology, and human behavior. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. Without further ado, let's dive in. What is up, Activators? And welcome to another episode of the Activated Authors Podcast. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by the one and only Samantha Frost. Sam, say hi. Hello. Samantha Frost, aka Mastress of None. Sam is a video editor, poet, writer, painter, actor, and creator. Based in the south of England, but not born there, that's a very important distinction. Sam is passionate about helping creatives while battling the will of a medium-sized human and the affectionate sneezes of a smaller-sized pug. Sam, welcome to the show. Hello, thank you for having me. I'd just like to say that affectionate is um, (laughs) debatable. There you go. So, number one, we'll point out that for people who have listened to this show from episode zero sam is one of the activated authors team she's one of the people that helps me behind the scenes she's fantastic at all the things that she does and so in this episode i want to dive a bit more deeply into you your creativity all the stuff that you kind of do because i do find your your journey very very interesting but before we get into that Mm. i would like you to just explain for people who may not understand the distinction between the north south divide in the uk why it's very important that people get that you're not born from where you from yeah yeah well it's very important because basically anyone that lives up north um generally speaking depending on where you're from I mean I'm from Grimsby so like we're already on the wrong foot really just basically the north is better it's just as simple as that like the people are hardened but kind and down here the people are arseholes (laughs) (laughs) And um, we call them soft southerners where I'm from, because, you know, like anything can take them down. Interesting. And I like that we start this episode by offending South of England. But also I will state that I was I was was born in the South of England and I've moved up north. So we have kind of shifted and swapped places as we've gone along on our journey. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're welcome. Now you're in the good place. (laughs) People are nicer to you, right? arguably maybe no I do agree like going to the less populated areas you do tend to get a bit of a a friendlier sort of uh, neighborhood vibe unless you go into like a a hot fuzz town in which case it's a bit more like creepy nice yes but I mean let's be honest the south has way more hot fuzz towns than when you get out of the densely populated areas yeah Uh uh-huh yeah Yeah. Yeah. but let's let's steer away from (laughs) upsetting too many people um and just jump straight into your creativity. So can you tell my audience a little bit about your own journey, where you kind of started and what you're working on today? Yeah. Like, my journey is ever-evolving. Um, it very much depends on the mood I'm in, the day it is, how close I am to having a full meltdown. <laughs> uh, <laughs> depends on kind of which bit I go into. I mean, I... I'm trying to think the earliest I can remember kind of leaning on creativity to help me was when I used to do, um, oh God, I've started now, so I've got to finish. (laughs) I used to to put on like um, concerts in my living room for my mum and my sister. It was plays Uh, for me. I was Jasmine in Aladdin. mm, Yeah. 
that that tracks i'm just really trying to hold back on making uh, a white man joke but it's fine um <laughs> yeah so i i would literally put on um usually christy regulera let's be honest um and i wouldn't have a microphone because i'm a child um i didn't have backing tracks so basically what they had to sit through was Christina Aguilera's album and me singing much worse than her very loudly over the top of it and I expected claps and there were costume changes mm. yeah that's kind of that's where I first started it's evolved slightly since then slightly. yeah because yeah. you've had you've got you've I mean we said it in the bio there's you're very multi-passionate when it comes to creativity there doesn't seem to be a no. particular medium that you you stick with you like that kind of flexibility of, of being experimental of playing with these yeah. different forms um and obviously the the way that you kind of came into my sphere of knowing is through um as a member of my nanary my boot camp back in mm. 2020 mm-hmm. it was 2020 jesus yeah i know um and we've had you on the great writer share podcast john crinan interviewed mm-hmm. you and spoke about the incredible feat that you achieved in that month but just for new listeners how how long did it take you to complete your first ever nano remo uh 14 days Okay. And again, for perspective of people, um, Nano is a challenge in November, which is an international challenge that's taken on by a lot of authors to write 50,000 words in 30 days. And you admittedly came to this experience very, very blank on expectations and what you wanted to do. Do you want to just say a little bit about, you know, the incentive for why you jumped in and what you were trying to achieve around that time? Yeah, I, so one of the things I like to do for, um, people that I love that are in my life is I like to make presents because I think that um, money can be re-earned, time can't. Um, So I think that if I love someone, then I want to give them something that I can never get back, which is time. So I will spend time making things for people. Um, And it's, it depends on, you know, what they like, or or kind of what sphere I'm in at that time but something possessed me to promise my niece that I would write her a novel um (laughs) just a casual novel just a casual just a casual novel um I, I I'm sure I've said this before but it was quite literally in my head it was just it was the ignorant arrogance of how hard can it be it's just words I use them all the time just put one after the other until you get to the end um and so I planned it all out had a grand old time planning it all planning it out and then I did nothing because I spent so long planning it out that I was I think I almost fooled myself into thinking that's basically like 90% of the job done now so Mm -hmm. like I can just sit back um and then yeah it got to like halfway through October and I was like I should probably start like writing this at some point because Christmas is pretty close now considering I've suggested a novel, which is where I happened upon you on um, Jenna's horror, Halloween horror um, video. And yeah, and I got, <laughs> so this, this always sounds weird. But I got very excited that you were British um, <laughs> because like I've been following Jenna um, for quite a while um, and she'd had other people on. I'd seen uh, Sasha on there, but you were like, other than Sasha, you were the only kind of indie author that I'd seen that was British. So I got very excited and I was like, oh, I'll like 
go check him out. So I looked at your website and that's where I saw the bootcamp. And I was like, ah, yeah, probably a good idea. And then I said, no, I'm not going to do it. And then I realized I'd already paid for it because that's the way my brain works. <laughs> my brain's like, no. And then because I've said, no, I do it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a really healthy uh, way to live. Yeah. But yeah. And so then I needed to get that damn novel done because I promised someone that I loved that I would do it. Yeah. And I think this story is particularly important for context in terms of, um, especially the writer side of your journey. Obviously, we, we might get into some of the other areas during this talk but mm-hmm. for people who are interested in finding out the full um backstory how nano went there is an episode of the great writer share which is further back down on this feed where uh, my wonderful co-host john crinnan interviewed you so all of the info will be in there for anyone that wants to check that out but i am much more at this point interested in kind of like the journey since then because it would appear to you know listeners that you know i want to write a novel for my niece in <laughs> three months i smashed you know, speaking um, from your perspective, uh, I smashed 50,000 words in 14 days, um, mm-hmm. which, you know, contextually sounds like a big amount, but 50,000 words isn't necessarily a full novel. And no, this was back in uh, November of 2020. We are in March of 2022 as recording. Mm. Where is the novel now and how is that going for you? Right. First of all, I feel like I just got hit with some passive aggression and I don't Not know. Not at all. <laughs> Well, no, I think I think because obviously I know the answer to this, but I think it's very, very important and helpful for people to understand. Well, the first thing to say is that an early version of the novel was given to my niece for Christmas. Thank you very much. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Because like I really like I'm, I'm really sensing some like like a like a tripwire here currently <laughs> there's no gotcha question five. and just for new listeners as well this kind of is our dynamic so this isn't <laughs> <laughs> I kind of feel like you're being a bit of an asshole no I'm joking as you were. um yeah so it's in draft five at the minute um maybe like 85 percent mm-hmm. of the way um through because basically what happened was I gave it handed it over and I just I fell in love with writing like I've, I've done lots of short form stuff before wrote a short film like always told stories in one way or another but I'd never attempted a novel and I so I fell in love with it as I was doing it um and so decided that actually I would like to release this properly um so yeah once it served its original purpose I just gutted it well, I gutted like, like the maybe the back third of it because I was just like, I if I'm going to release this, I need it to be the best it can be for like a wide audience or like a not so only a wide audience, um, just for market, so it makes sense. So it's because obviously I was writing it for one person very specifically, um. And it didn't quite mesh with what I would write as a product, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Um, yeah, so I just I just gutted it, and I'm I'm working on making new intestines for it. <laughs> Lush. Yeah, so we we find that this book has been on quite a journey already. Like you say, it went originally it was formulated to an audience of one and as you say that's a very very different thing to going okay this is for you and very very specifically you because a lot of writers do have this avatar for who they're trying to Mm -hmm. reach their book for but that avatar could be sort of 
multiplied and oh my why is my whatsapp going off excuse me it wasn't um, me that was me uh <laughs> this you, that avatar could be anyone uh, among the world but obviously you knew who this person was and so there was much yeah. more safety in saying here's a book for you and knowing that it wouldn't kind of go further than that but um taking that product and then going okay i'm actually going to rework this and put it into a position where i can put it more widely out in the market what was that decision like for you is it is it something that well what was that decision like for you well, so it was very gradual. So when I was starting writing it, obviously, like I said, it was for um, my niece. But then kind of the further I got into it, I really started to fall in love with the characters, to enjoy the story. And I found myself kind of being interested in it. And that sounds like a weird thing to say, because it's not like I was like ambivalently like writing a novel, like whatever. Um <laughs> But like, I was finding myself actually getting really pulled in and being like, oh, what if this happens? What if this happens? Um, and a lot of the, oh, what if this happens um, was like, that would be cool, but <laughs> not for an 11 year old. Um, so it started like those things started to pile up as I was writing it. And I was just like, yeah, I, I love these characters and I love this story, but I want to put all this in it. Mm -hmm. So I think as that started to kind of pile up, my brain was worrying. And then I was like, yeah, I, I want to, I want to give this the full college try. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I'm happy with that choice of phrase. <laughs> and to mention as well that, you know, you were plunged into a community of other people who arguably a lot of them were a bit more um, educated on the indie publishing process and kind of, you know, mm -hmm. they were very, specifically in what they knew that they were doing obviously you were but in a very very different way how mm -hmm. did that how did that community experience kind of help push you forward well before I landed in right just quickly before I answer this question yeah our second one on the truck with dog noises in the back yeah this is my pug and he is snoring and if you think that's loud he's under like four layers of blankets mm -hmm. anyway so that's the pug <laughs> um yeah I was very nervous before obviously like very nervous. I was like dying of anxiety but it didn't take long to feel comfortable there because it it was just a really it's like a really embracing community it's I think when you get a group of people together um no matter kind of what their joint passion is as long as everyone's you know a decent human which so far we've been very lucky mm -hmm. <laughs> we continue to attract the decent ones which is just lovely yes um, then it, it kind of spurs you on right it makes you makes you even more excited and when people are understanding kind of the pitfalls and the peaks it it really helps um, but I will say as well that it is also easy to get swept along sometimes. So mm. me and you had um, a conversation, I'm trying to think when it was, probably early last year, where I was feeling a little bit kind of melancholic, Jesus Christ, just very Dickensian, um, about not feeling like I fit in, mm -hmm. even though I loved everybody there. And I was, I was really confused. Um, and then I had the breakthrough, which is strange because I already knew this, but I had the breakthrough that, oh, I don't, I don't just want to be an author. 
And I hate saying that because the word just before author makes it sound like authors just skip through fields um, mm -hmm. picking daisies and it's super easy. And I don't mean that at all. It's just the way my brain works. I have to pick things up and put things down as um, necessary for my mental health. And the second that I realized that everyone in that community had their own path and it wasn't mine and that was okay. And they were going to support me anyway. And I was still going to support them anyway. It really freed a lot of stuff up for me because I think, I think particularly when you are new in a space, it is easy to feel not necessarily imposter syndrome. Um, although that certainly was a thing, mm -hmm. but it's very easy to feel like you don't, you don't fit what everybody else is. But the thing is, nobody fits what anybody else is. And that's one of the beautiful things about our community is that everyone is allowed to be themselves. Mm -hmm. And that I think beyond the kind of, you know, being able to talk to people about the creative journey and all that kind of stuff and writing and am I writing this in first person or third person omniscient or like what tense is this and this like all of that's great and helpful and stuff but that's not what it is it's about like a shared human experience and the fact that people just are accepting of who you are and where you are um so yeah once I'd gotten over kind of this idea that I'd formulated about myself <laughs> that wasn't true um it was it's been incredible Mm -hmm. yeah I think answer that question yeah absolutely and it because it highlights the point of and you know I am seven years into this author journey which seems insane at this point um so obviously my my lens through which I see writing and publishing is probably a little bit different to yourselves and a lot of listeners just from like where I'm sitting and from what I see is that people tend to go into writing naive as you did as i did as like most authors do because when there's no sort of formal education to actually get you into especially fiction publishing space mm. and the education and the knowledge that we're given is traditional publishing which you can still do that is still there as a path but it's that this is the path um but then what i'm seeing in the conversation a lot of the time now is this switch as well towards this rapid release rapid release uh, schedule which is obviously write the books, publish the books, just fast, just build up that backlist, put out the cash. And, you know, that is a very strong way to make a living as a writer. Yeah, but sure. What is, what exists in this middle space are a thousand different avenues that not many people talk about. And I can fully understand how coming into a community and like hearing all this stuff, it's very easy to get swept up into like, it's either this or this. And mm -hmm. like, I, you know, I hope you don't mind me saying the podcast, like me, we worked together coaching last year for yeah, a yeah. few months as well. And in that journey itself, it's really been um, encouraging and really sort of rewarding to see you embrace the individual passions that you do have, because you're mm -hmm. right, like not everyone is going to fit one of those molds. And you know what the options are, but you also know who you are and who your core values are. And so yeah. you're then able to make a much more stronger decision in your creativity going forward. Yeah. Pause for effect. <laughs> sorry i completely ruined your pinter moment well, I your no i'm joking um <laughs> but we'll, we can just we'll, we'll get a freeze frame in the edit 
just punching the air. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, like seriously, it's 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 one of those that I've tried to, as you say, it's it's very rare to find communities that are supportive. And like for me, it's it's really, really rewarding yeah. to lead a community that is you know growing and the people inside it are fantastic and they share this vision and they're they feel safe they feel listened to and they feel supported and they support others um and owning that individual space it i can understand that kind of fear of i don't fit in here especially when you are earlier in your journey and it looks like all anyone's talking about are these other things yeah um i guess all of this kind of coming around to saying like where are you where are you now in terms of the stuff that you're wanting to produce and where you're heading with your creativity? I mean, where I'm heading is always an interesting question because where I was heading yesterday is probably a different place where I'm heading today. I think um, I'm about as far removed from kind of um, the rapid release model of anything as as could be. Um, And that's not through judgment. That's not through, you know, uh, just my brain I have so um, I will list for you so I have EID depression anxiety well uh, anxiety doesn't quite cover it I have um acute social anxiety which just makes me the funnest person to be around outside um I have CPTSD which is complex um PTSD um I have I'm just trying to think because there's more insomnia and how do you phrase it body dysmorphia there we go so that's many things Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have many things so and how they all play together um is that they don't they're always at war with each other so it's it's very dependent on where my brain is to where my creativity is heading so if I am having a day where getting out of bed hurts then creativity might look like paint and the canvas and just nothing nothing with form nothing with lines just paint and however that comes out is however that comes out and the funny thing is I was saying this to my sister the other day I I was doing I was doing one of those not long ago because I had some real intense emotions going on and I needed to get them out in a in a healthy way um and I did that until that had kind of subsided and it's not finished and I said to Rhiannon it will never be finished because I will never be in that state again. So if I go back to it now, it's it's disingenuous. I'm just finishing it for the sake of it. So even though it's unfinished, it is finished. Mm. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um. I mean, I have, I definitely have plans. Um. So the mattress of nun stuff is something that I'm working, um, quite heavily on, which is just like a hub of all the different things that I do. So um, poetry and writing, painting, blogging, um, all sorts of kind of stuff goes on there. Um, And that is just basically, I I wanted a space for myself, um, but also for people that were kind of like me or or didn't, didn't feel like they fit a particular like you know 
mold when it came to being creative um because like everyone is creative to some degree um elizabeth gilbert said it in big magic like everyone is creative you are creating your life each decision you make is a creation and i love that idea um but i think when we think about being a creative person we instantly think like singer painter dancer writer mm -hmm. you know anything that creates like art a work of art however that looks um and i've spent most of my life feeling like i don't fit anywhere and that like i'm the odd one out and like i said i'm incredibly awkward um like when i meet someone for the first time i am just insanely awkward it's 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 <laughs> i'm laughing but it's not funny <laughs> it is funny um in hindsight it's funny so i wanted to kind of create that space for other people like me um that could come and see that you don't have to pick and that will change, that will evolve. Things might drop off it, new things might be stuck onto it. Like it is amorphous because that is what creativity is. That is what it's about. Like creative creativity and recovery are, they're not solid things. They move and they change. And I think people talk about um, particularly any kind of recovery um, when you think when you think about it you think it has a start point and an end point but not everything does particularly with mental health particularly with chronic mental health um when you're talking about trauma or um neurodivergence there isn't an end point so you have this ever moving ebbing kind of dance with recovery it's not it's not a straight path it you know it changes every day and I still fight most days against um, very unhealthy old coping habits. Um, and replacing those, finding ones that serve me now, that's where creativity comes in. And because creativity is a similar shape in my head as recovery, they can dance together. So when I feel the need to um, lash out, which was something I would I used to do, but to myself, I, it, it was never kind of violent to anyone else. It was always like an internalized thing. What I can do is instead of damaging myself, damaging my relationships with my loved ones, I can reach for a canvas. I can get my pen and write that poem that is screaming inside me. But I never realized before that it, it was words that needed to come out of me. It was, mm. the emotion was so intense and so strong because that's a big part of EID, which is uh, emotional intensity disorder. It's a big part of that is that your emotions are so much bigger than everyone else my emotions are so much better than yours I can't help it um, <laughs> it sounds so arrogant like I just my joy is just better than your joy um I never understood that before and it like it it's too much of anything is too much right so like mm -hmm. too much light blinds you so too much like emotion 
like whatever it is, is crippling. And so the only way that I used to be able to do that was by numbing myself out with really unhealthy coping habits. So like I say, instead of going towards those things now, I can understand that actually it's not about numbing what's going on. It's about releasing it. Mm. Glenn Doyle calls them easy buttons. So like I'm feeling extremely angry. I don't like it. So I'm going to get drunk, easy button, numb it Mm. out. But instead sit with it, sit with the emotion, question yourself, understand to the best of your knowledge what it is and then use it. And I don't necessarily mean like use it and then sell it because not everything has to be monetized, right? Not every, like, not every drip of creativity has to be for sale. I'm not saying there's anything against that. Like if you want to sell everything you do, like go for it. Like everyone's got to pay bills, make bank, like whatever. But sometimes it's just nice to be like, this is how I feel right now. Here is an ink drawing. Don't ask me what it is. I don't know either. <laughs> like, it's not going in a frame. But however I was feeling is on here now. Mm. And I've returned to baseline. And so I forget the original question. But that's where I'm heading. I'm right, heading. Right. I'm, he- I'm heading. Um, I am. I'm dancing with sanity. That's where I'm heading. Um, I'm I'm trying to keep that dance going with recovery as long as I can. And hopefully uh, I'll learn the steps at some point and it'll get a bit easier. <laughs> and long may it continue. And I love the um, the sort of what you said there about basically everything being creativity. I remember one of the things that I found very interesting at university was that the accountancy and financing degrees are bachelors of arts. They're not mm. you know scientific in any way. And the reason is because you have the kind of formulated structure of what finance and accountancy falls into. But the point of being trained in those degrees is to learn how to dance and speak the language and manipulate the moves and be creative with, you know, the interpretation of what it is that's there. And, you know, so many people believe that finance is an art, an exact science, and it's not. It's Mm -hmm. it is artistic. It is in its own way, very, very beautiful. And the people that do well in that can do very, very well in that. And that's a whole different conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, You obviously mentioned there. <laughs> as you mentioned there about um you know ongoing mental health issues and neurodivergence mm. along your journey what have you found have been useful resources or um sort of figureheads that have helped you to further understand you know fitting neurodivergency into what is traditionally a very sort of neurotypical world yeah god that's a a big and also a very good question i that's think what pays the big bucks <laughs> <laughs> Not here for small talk. (laughs) (laughs) I think that that's a very... So I can tell you the the people and things that have helped me, but I do think at the same time, like if there's anyone listening that feels in a similar way or has neurodivergence, I mean, the the whole point is that you are neurodivergent. So like, it's what will help and fit you. But the things that helped me to begin with, the very first book I ever read that I resonated with um was it was what's it called Susan Jeffers feel the fear and do it anyway Mm. and I remember reading that and this happens to me with almost all kind of self-help or productivity or um lifestyle motivation inspiration any kind of those books I start reading them and I get really excited 
um I'm like oh I can use this oh I can use this oh I can use this and that that was how I felt reading that book I remember I was stood at Sutton train station and I was reading it and I was like oh my god like this this makes so much sense but there's always a portion in those books that I start to feel disenchanted with mm. because of course they're written for normal people right so like things when people are talking about excuses and things like that it's that's when it starts to affect me so I think first of all you have to understand that those kind of things are amazing and can be helpful but when they are talking about things that can sometimes feel like an attack they're not it's they're not attacking you that's a lesson I had to learn like there is a difference between your illness or your neurodivergence and an excuse mm. um and that's something that I still struggle with all the time I still feel like if I'm having a bad day I should not be having a bad day it's not acceptable it is an excuse anyone else I'm like babe sit down <laughs> like <laughs> this is real this is happening you are allowed to be human you are allowed to have these things like if it was a broken leg would you still try and run a marathon no so sit down <laughs> me, I'm like for god's sake get up um so that's something I'm working on but yeah so the, that's the first thing I would say is that just know that things generally speaking aren't made for you but they're also not made to attack you mm -hmm. um so yeah that's what I would say first but then I found people like Glennon Doyle I love Glennon Doyle Dan knows this he always makes fun of me because uh, <laughs> like every third quote I'm like it's Glennon Doyle uh, so Glennon Doyle Elizabeth Gilbert Brene Brown um those three in particular I found something that I didn't know I was missing all that I needed and so um Glennon Doyle is incredible and for people that don't know who she is um she is an author motivational speaker um she started um with a blog called momastery which i think is one of the best names ever um and she's just she's just honest she's incredibly anxious she's incredibly scared all the time and yet she still does all the things and I think that is incredible. And I aspire to have that same bravery. Um, Brene Brown is an actual doctor. And so when she talks about things like shame and uh, fear and all of those kind of things, vulnerability, I heard it in a different way because I know that she's done so much research on it. And that kind of opened me up to realizing that, oh, okay maybe my brain is trying to hurt me in these ways so I found out about stuff about myself that I didn't know through her and she also talks I think it was an interview with um Marie Folio who's also I love her um where she says that we have to be careful um about dehumanizing people um because it's a slippy slope so she's talking about like things when people would kind of mock Trump for being like orange, like a whatever, or, you know, they would, they would compare him to an animal or something like that. And she's like, it's understandable that people, because that people are angry with him, why wouldn't they be? Um, 
well, not everyone was, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but the problem is, is the second you start dehumanizing people, then it's a slippy slope to a lot more serious things. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that helped me. That helped me. Number one, I resonated with that anyway, but that also helped me with the people in my past that have done things that I, at the time I thought were unforgivable. And, you know, some people might still think that, but it helped me look at them as people, not monsters. And that helped my recovery. So they're really helpful. Um, Big magic. Just lost her name, Liz Gilbert. Elizabeth Gilbert. Her her interpretation of creativity is the closest thing that I have ever come to being like, it's like it came from my own brain. Like I love her ideas, the way that she talks about creativity as if it's um as if it's like this other thing that kind of taps you on the shoulder and is like, are we gonna do this thing now? Like just that whole thing. Like it's very what's the phrase, woo-woo, but um <laughs> I like a bit of woo-woo sometimes. Yeah. But so I those I would say those are the um the people that have helped me. But also what's really important is to get help and to be able to ask for help. And that took me a long time too because it's it's great finding people like mentors that you can relate to and that speak in a way that you understand and can help you move forward with recovery, with creativity, with whatever it is that you're looking at. But if you're dealing with serious mental health issues, you need more than a YouTube video, mm-hmm. unfortunately. Um, so yeah, like actually getting help is the first thing I would always suggest when it comes to just any kind of well again if you broke your leg you wouldn't be like I'll watch a YouTube video you go to hospital and just get it fixed one of the things I find um fascinating about mental health and you know increasingly um the statistics rise as we discover more and more different strains of mental health issues and different kind of um conditions and things that obviously weren't there before that but that didn't mean that like they didn't exist like a lot of people don't realize that germs didn't exist until about 100 years ago like doctors didn't need to wash their hands because germs weren't real Mm -hmm. um and so you know as education and as science advances and psychology and all the other practices we we discovered a lot more of sort of the spectrum on which a lot of people sit and we do live in a world that is very much catered for um the I, I get the language slightly incorrect sometimes but like the neurotypical as opposed to neuroatypical mm-hmm. and um yeah I, I can very much imagine that's hard and I will say that I was someone who was a little bit guilty of that when you first came to me for coaching because you were one of my first coaching clients and I had a program and it was all set up in you know the way that uh, I was used to running it based off of a lot of my ideas and my journey um, and it became very, very quickly apparent that obviously these things, and I don't in any way mean this negatively. I <laughs> no, I really, know. Yeah, I really hope you don't mind me saying, but no, I don't. It just doesn't take long to figure it out, does it? Yeah, like <laughs> what I'm laughing at. Yeah, the, the the stuff that would have been what I'd say quote typical for what I'd assigned to a client and kind of try and work through, it was very, very apparent very, very quickly that that wasn't going to work for you. And so, you know, within my own practice, I had to um, adjust and investigate and explore and work and listen. And really kind of try to understand what it is you were trying to achieve and where those blocks were coming from. And the interesting part was actually a lot of the blocks that you did have, they weren't unusual for people that 
you know, I've spoken to you before, I've worked with before, mm. but, you know, actually communicating it and the language and the semantics and the kind of like the process in mm-hmm. overcoming those obstacles was a bit different. Um, and the next question I do want to ask, and it will come across to some, I think, a bit um, disingenuous, but I genuinely mean this from a place of wanting to understand so that other people who are neurodivergent can kind of access this kind of mm-hmm. program. I mean, knowing what you knew about me when you came into coaching, what was it that you believed that you would be gaining from coaching with me? And how was that process for you? So the reason I wanted to work with you is I had seen how you interact with people. I had seen how you worked for yourself. I saw that commitment that you had to other people, but also to yourself, because I think if you're going to work with somebody in, in, especially in like a, a coach coachy or mentor mentory kind of situation it's a very close relationship yeah and you have to also you really have to trust that that person will show up for you and one of the easiest ways to see if someone's going to show up for you is to see if they'll show up for themselves and you were you were you were showing up for yourself and you were showing up for other people you listened to people like in that boot camp we had such a mix of different people and you never treated any person like anybody else. You spoke to everyone where they were, who they were, what they were doing. And you knew those things and you remembered those things. And that to me signals someone that I can trust and be safe around because that's a big thing, right? As well. So like Mm -hmm. for me in particular, it's not just Mm -hmm. about the fact that my brain processes things differently um it's about the fact that I have a lot of trauma in my past that has kind of um enabled some of my conditions um so I have to feel safe as well um even over zoom I have to feel safe and that is that was a big thing I I've told you this before like I don't trust people I I, I don't trust people there are a few persons that I love and that I trust but they're few and far between and they there is a long road between me meeting someone that doesn't mean like I hate everyone and I'm instantly looking for (laughs) what you after but just like the human condition I find untrustworthy generally speaking um and so there's a long road between me meeting someone and me trusting someone and I think I trusted you within about two minutes of, of like actually speaking to you in that first boot camp. And that's never happened to me before. I felt instantly safe. I felt instantly just able to breathe. I mean, don't get me wrong, that first session, I was still an anxious like ball of. I was too. That was my first session that I'd run like that. <laughs> <laughs> but I just, yeah, the, because you don't you don't you don't you don't front either there's no fucking falsity about you like you are who you are and I don't trust people that aren't like that I don't trust people that are too glossy because I'm like it's bullshit and I know it's bullshit and the fact that you're trying to convince me that it's real angers me Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
because it's bull- like I don't care who you are uh, you could be fucking I'm trying to think of a motivational speaker like Gary V like there is no way that guy has his shit together all the time because it is fucking impossible so he doesn't <laughs> act like it he acts like a like prepubescent child that's uh. trying to hide an erection on a sugar rush <laughs> <laughs> wrong like and people relate to him because he's being who he is but when you see someone that is just that you can there's i'm like there's a ghost of you somewhere in there and there's never there was never a hint of that with you and so that's why i wanted to work with you and then i was proved right every single time i showed up every single time i showed up you showed up exactly how i thought you would and yeah you're right that first session when you were asking me these things i remember in my head being like oh I don't want to I, I don't want to say because I don't want to and you he literally looked at me and he was like I, I I didn't say like I said nothing you just looked at me and he was like these are your sessions mm-hmm. this is about you so if this isn't going to work for you this way let's find a way that will and like we had like the matrix the creativity matrix and like the things that we were to and like yeah so that is why and I was proved right and yeah you you are an incredible man mr wilcox and you helped me immeasurably now you're also a bit of a dick because i don't want to like i'm just trying to even out yeah yeah absolutely um no no i really really appreciate that and obviously it's always like nice to kind of get that kind of feedback because that that ultimately the the ethos that I have and hopefully that comes across with this podcast and the next level authors and everything else that I kind of do is the the individualized aspect of what it is to be an author it is that mm-hmm. you can look at you can sit next to someone you can be in the same campism you can have the same genre the same freaking pen and paper for all mm-hmm. I care and you will write a different story even if you get the same criteria and everyone has their own path and journey the different things that they love the different things they work better with the different things that they don't um and you know as i say sort of working with people like yourself and other other clients that i've had along the way it, it really just constantly further highlights that um and you know it is it is a big step to go from i understand obviously that and that this was sort of within a two three month period of i'm going to write my niece a novel mm-hmm. i've joined boot camp I finished, well, I, did, I wrote 50,000 words of that number. I think, did you remind oh, me, you did finish the first, yeah, it was like 80,000 words or something by the end of by the end of the month. Um, so you finished a novel, you edited it, wrapped it up, ready for Christmas. And then you went, okay, I'm going to go into coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, that's quite an accelerated journey to go from one end to the other in sort of like three months. And obviously, you know, you've been with um, Activated Authors, what was Wilcox Writers and the Bootcamp, all the different name changes and is sticking as Activated Authors um and you know the one of the reasons that i kind of brought you on board for like to, to work with and sort of um to do stuff within the the community itself is that you know you you really are a a, a great avatar for the creative journey and you you seem to understand people really really well and people obviously like in the conversations within zoom you can drive them people seem to get it like there's a there's an honesty and transparency that definitely reflects like the values of what we're trying to put across here um, and it's something that, again, is like it's shared with so many people in the, in the community of they can come to these calls, they can feel comfortable enough to go, this is my problem today. Like we'll, mm-hmm. we'll be on writing sprints together and someone will go, I'm really sorry to bring the, the mood down with something. It's like, no, no, let's address no. this because yeah. these things are important. And, you know, the journey of being an author, being a creative in any aspect, it is about vulnerability and putting stuff out there um so i want to say just thank you for what you bring to the community um Mm -hmm. and also we're gonna have to start rounding this off because this is otherwise gonna be a very long conversation yeah um 
but no, I do appreciate you obviously sort of like sharing all everything about yourself and your journey. And we absolutely will have you on again to talk more and you know, you're involved in the AMAs and all the other stuff. So AMAs. yes, the AMA awards. <laughs> but before we wrap up for this episode, I have one final question for you, which is Samantha Frost. Why do you create? I create for a few reasons. One, to stay safe, to stay alive, to stay sane. But I also create because... I want to believe in beauty and on those days when I can't find it in myself, I try to find it through art in whatever medium that is. And that's why I create. I love it. So where can the audience find out all about yourself and all that you're working on? Well, if this uh, wasn't uh, quite enough of me, um, they can find me at Mastress of None, basically everywhere. So Instagram is at Mastress of None. My website is mastressofnone.com. Facebook is Mastress of None. Yeah, Mastress of None. <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Okay, yeah. so a big thank you, Sam, for joining me on the podcast today. A massive thank you to you, the listeners, for tuning in. And as always, if you're looking to level up your writing and activate your author career, head on over to activatedauthors.com to find out all about our community, our resources, and everything else that we've got going on. One more time from myself and Sam. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Activate your energy.